Good morning. Hey, I'm so glad that you're with us today, and you are in for a special treat. Standing on the stage with me is a very near and dear friend to me. His name is Mitch Quarter. Uh, I know him as Pastor Quarter. Uh, he was my pastor, and I consider him still my pastor, and whenever I get frustrated at you guys, he's the guy I call. And... Uh, <laughs> Say, pray for me, pray for me. Uh, but let, let me tell you about, a little bit about the, the role he has served in my life. Back when I was young and foolish, as opposed to now old and foolish, um, I needed a job. Uh, and Pastor Mitch invited me to come serve on his staff. And more than that, he allowed me to grow and flourish as an individual, as a pastor, um, as just a man. And he challenged me. He has an incredible way of speaking into people's lives. And God has used his influence in my life dramatically. He's one of those people that is a spiritual mentor to me, uh, even to this day. And so that was many, many years ago. Now he currently serves in the denomination that I grew up in. Um, It's a denomination called the Church of God. And he is what his title is, the Administrative Bishop of the Churches of God in Tennessee. What that means is he has 411 churches that he is responsible for and uh, gives oversight for that. And so his ministry has grown over the years And it's a real joy for me to invite him to be on our stage and bring the fourth and final message in our Closer Message series. So if you don't mind, give it up to my friend, Mitch Corder. Welcome in here. Thank you, Pastor. Well, I'm excited about being here. And, and, uh, you know, some ministers start their messages with all kinds of ways. Some start with a a greeting. Some start uh, with a, a funny story. I thought today that I'd start with a Pastor Ben story. No, not really. <laughs> I thought that would get your attention, though, and tune into what I want to say this morning. It is a privilege for me to be here, and I'm going to talk about relationships this morning. And uh, Pastor Ben and I have a significant relationship, and uh, one of the things you learn in Scripture is that uh, the kingdom of God and our relationship with God not only involves that relationship, but involves relationship with other people. Matter of fact, there's a verse of scripture in Ecclesiastes 4 9 that says, Two are better than one because they have good return for their work. Another translation of that verse says it like this Two can accomplish twice as much as one, for the results can be much better. And very simply, here's what I want to talk about in this series of closer. One of the ways we get closer to God is through the relationships that we have with each other and other people. Matter of fact, I can go so far as to say that when we were created, we were created for relationship. One of the first things that God said after he made man in uh, Genesis, Genesis 2.18, he says, It's not good for man to be alone. We were made for relationships. That's why uh, punishment, one of the worst forms of punishment, is called solitary confinement, where you're restricted from interacting with other people. So what I want to talk to you today in this area of relationships is four specific relationships that I believe that you need to have in your life that will enhance not only the quality of your life, but also help you in your relationship with God. Now, some relationships happen naturally. Some relationships you have to intentionally develop into your life. And here's what I tell people all the time. Outside of having a relationship with God, you need to have a relationship with the right people in your life because God works through people. So I tell them, build all the relationships you can. But this morning when I talk about relationships, I want to talk about four specific kinds of relationships that you will have to intentionally, to some degree, develop 
in your life or recognize that God has put these people in your life for an intentional purpose. You know, the ideal of Christians is that we're, we're fulfilling the Great Commission, telling the world about Jesus. And one context of that is called building the kingdom of God. Well, I really believe that God has a purpose in every relationship of our lives. And those relationships are crucial to our relationship with Him, our accomplishing His purpose for our life, the quality of life we have, and the influence we have in our relationship with others as well. So four relationships, here's the first one. You need models that inspire you. In Philippians 3.17, the Bible says, Dear brothers, Paul is writing, Dear brothers, pattern your lives after mine, and notice who else lives up to my example. You know, we learn by three primary ways. We learn by formal education. We learn by experience. But one of the most powerful and practical ways we learn is by example. And so Paul says, Dear brothers, pattern your life after mine. Notice who lives up to my example. In other words, we learn about relationships by watching the lives of other people. And here's what, here's what I talk about when I say, find a, find, you need a model that will inspire you. Here's what that means. Find somebody in your life who is already where you want to be spiritually, financially, emotionally, relationally. Find out all you can about them and how they got to where they are and how they did what they did. Paul goes on to write in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, so you became a model to all believers. So here's the pattern. You follow an example. Paul said, follow my example. And then you become an example to other people so they can follow you. You know, one of the primary ways we, we learn is, is this ideal of imitation. When, you, when, when babies begin to develop their social skills and begin to grow, they copy us. And that's why we make funny faces and do silly things and, and have a, a cute vocabulary when we have those children around. It's because we're, we're wanting them to mimic us. You know, you want a baby's first words to be daddy, you say dada. It's that whole principle of imitation. It's that whole principle of, of modeling for people. And, and here's, here's what I want to encourage you to do. Find somebody who is where you want to be in some area of your life. Because when you find somebody who is already doing what you want to do or is already where you want to be, what it does is it inspires you. It creates this ideal and helps you to understand if they can do it, I can do it. If they can attain this relationship with God spiritually, I can. If they can have this kind of financial stewardship in their life, I can. If they can have this emotional stability and, and develop in their life, I can. If they can have that kind of relationship or marriage that, that they have, I can. And so what I'm saying is they, these models, they inspire us that we can do what they have done. Find somebody that you respect enough spiritually, intellectually, relationally, that you can model your life after. 
And here's what you have to do here. Most of the time, you have to intentionally develop this relationship. You might do it like this. You might just say in prayer, God, I'm struggling in this area. I need somebody to be an example to me. I need somebody that I, that's doing what I need to do that I can model my life after. And God, send those people into my life. I have been serving the Lord most of my life. I'm not going to tell you how old I am. I'm younger than I look, hopefully. But most of my life, part of my daily prayer is this. God, bring people into my life whom you can work through to accomplish your purpose in my life. Give me favor with people in positions of authority and responsibility that you can work through to accomplish your purpose in my life. And the probability is there's probably already some models in your life that you haven't been aware of. And what's going to happen is when you begin to intentionally look for these people that are modeling this, then you're going to find that there's probably some people already in your life that can fulfill this relational role for you. So the first relationship we need is is models that inspire us. Now, here's the second one. Mentors that instruct us. In Proverbs 15 and 22, the Bible says, Plans fail for a lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. So what is a mentor? Let me give you a very simple definition. A mentor is a trusted friend, a counselor, a coach. Mentors are people that God uses in your life to bring out the very best in you. And here's what I'm confident of this morning without knowing any of you personally in an intimate way. I'm confident that God has already brought someone into your life that you can learn from and whom that can teach you. You see, it's not only important where you learn. Sometimes you'll see somebody say, uh, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to high school? Where'd you go to college? Where'd you go to seminary? And they want to know where you learned. And, and that's important. But it's also important, not where you learn, but who you learn from. There's a biblical example of this whole idea of mentoring in the life of the Apostle Paul and a young pastor by the name of Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 2, he, Paul says, I'm writing to, my, to Timothy, my dear son. And the reason that Paul addressed Timothy this way is they had this mentoring relationship. It was so close, as a matter of fact, that Paul considered Timothy a spiritual son. Now, spiritual fatherhood and sonship is not based on age. It's based on maturity and some other things. I've got people who who I kind of serve as a mentor to, and yet some of them are older than I am. But we recognize that role. So it's not it hasn't to do with age. You and I'm confident there's somebody already in your life. Matter of fact, let me do it this way. Think about it. Who would you say is in your life today that's a Paul? That's a mentor. That's someone that is uh, in speaking into your life, instructing you, helping you to become all the best you can be. 
Now you say, I don't really have anybody. Well, then here's what I'm going to suggest to you this morning. That you intentionally begin to pursue those kinds of relationships. Again, it may be so simple that you just become aware of that and you begin to identify those people in your life. Or you might need to pray and say, God, bring some of those people into my life that can serve as a mentor, who can make an investment into me, who can, who can instruct my life and help me to become all that I want to be and all that you've created me to be. Now, not only do you, do you need a mentor, but here's something else when you talk about mentors to instruct. Do you know that God wants to use you as a mentor, as a Paul, into someone else's life like a Timothy? Everybody needs a Paul, somebody who can speak into their life, somebody who can help them to become the best they can be, somebody who can influence them and instruct them. But at the same time, God wants you and I to be someone like that in the life of someone else. We'll call him a Timothy. And I'm confident this morning that there's probably already some people in your life that can serve as mentors, as Paul to you. And there's already some people in your life that you can serve as a Paul to them and they can be your Timothy. You can speak into your life. Now, the thing about mentors is this. They don't have to be good at everything. They just need to be good in the area that you want to learn about. Just because you may be smarter than them in one area doesn't mean that you can't learn from them in another area. And here's what happens. As you begin to invest in others, there's a principle that what you do also determines what you reap or receive back. And as you invest in others to help them to grow and to mature and to develop and to learn and to become all they want to be, as you do that in their life, here's what happens. The same thing begins to take place in your life. So we need models that inspire us. We need mentors that instruct us. And then here's a third relationship. We need partners that will assist us. Again, Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9 through 12, two are better off than one because together they can work more effectively. If one falls down, the other can help him. But if someone is alone, there is no one to help him. Two men can resist an attack that would defeat one man alone. Again, simply that what this is saying is we all need relationships. Now, the reason this is so important is I'm convinced, as probably most of you already are, that God has a purpose for your being on planet Earth. As a matter of fact, when I share my personal testimony, uh, it's a little surprising when people hear it because I really don't have a story that I did all these terrible or awful things and I was some kind of really bad guy. But I do have a testimony that I came to a realization someday that there had to be more to life than getting up, going to work, coming home, going to bed. Getting up, going to work, coming home, going to bed. I was aware of a lack of purpose. And I knew enough about God that I was convinced that having a sense of purpose would begin by having a relationship with Him. And sure enough, I have to tell you, your story may be different than mine, but almost immediately when I got into a relationship with God, I became aware 
of a sense of purpose that I'd lacked before. And I tell you that story because your story may be similar. Maybe you can identify with that. But the truth is, every one of us, God created for a purpose. There's a reason we're here. I've got two daughters. They're uh, almost uh, eight years apart. And the second daughter I have, her name is Hannah. I, I describe her as like this. Hannah was a surprise, but she wasn't an accident. There's some folks here this morning. You are a surprise, but you're certainly not an accident. And the reason you're here is because God has a purpose for you. And the only way you and I can fulfill God's purpose for our life is in relationship, partnership with other people. Matter of fact, the Lord Jesus himself, who was perfect, who was God in the flesh. As you follow his life and ministry in the Gospels, you, you see that he had 12, we call them disciples. I call them partners. Partners in fulfilling God's purpose for his life. As a matter of fact, he could not have accomplished the purpose of God the Father for his life had he had not had those 12 disciples, those 12 partners in his life. And I want to say to you this morning that you may not know what your purpose is today. And that may be part of the journey you're on. And, and one of the things that God is using this church to do and using Pastor Ben and others to do, as you hear the word communicated and you get into the, the, to the environment of the church, you begin to understand, you begin to realize God's got a purpose for my life. And here's what happens. He uses the church sometimes. It's designed to help us to fulfill to discover, to develop, and to fulfill our purpose. Matter of fact, this whole idea about coming like, together like this, we call it church. When you, when you look at the scripture, it illustrates this whole idea of a church. There's, there's two or three different primary pictures for that. One of those is a building, and another one of those is a body. And both of those pictures, you see buildings are made up of many parts connected together for a purpose. The body made up of many parts joined together for a purpose. Here's what happens through the ministry of this church. We begin to understand how we fit into God's plan, not just for His church, but we begin to understand how we fit God's purpose in this world. And here's the truth. Every one of us have different strengths and weaknesses, gifts, and abilities, and when we partner together, we complement each other, and we complete each other, and we help each other to accomplish the purpose that God has us on this earth for. And the other, one of the other things that happens to this understanding that I need partners to assist me is we begin to understand not only do we have value, but every other person has value. That's simple, but really, really, really powerful. And when we partner together with each other and assist each other, we're able to do together what we could not accomplish on our own. Now, there's one, one suggestion I'm going to make in terms, of, in terms of finding somebody to come into a partnership with. Don't team up with people who don't have the same values as you. Amos 3 and 3. How can two walk together unless they are in agreement? So when you're, when you're looking for this relationship of partners, partnership, 
You look for people that have the same values you do. And by coming together, you can accomplish God's purpose and you can accomplish more together than you can on your own. All right? You need models that inspire you. When you see that they're doing what it is you want to do, you know I can do it too. You need model uh, mentors to instruct you, people to speak into your life, to bring out all that is in you, all the potential. You need partners to assist you because you begin to understand that together in relationship with someone else, you can accomplish more than you can on your own. And you begin to value people because you understand that principle. But here's the fourth one. You need friends who support you. There's a proverb found in Proverbs 7, 17 that says, A true friend is always loyal, and a brother is born to help in time of need. I found some friendship facts, a little... Just little simple sayings that kind of communicate the whole sense of what it means when you talk about this idea of friends and friendship. Friendship facts. Number one, a true friend walks in when others walk out. As I, as I go through these, some of you are going to think about people that are in your life right now. Some of you are going to think about the friends that you already have. When other people see through you, a friend will see you through. Now, I know these are simple, but they illustrate the power of this relationship of friendships. When you make a mistake, others want to rub it in, but a friend rubs it out. Now, here's why friends are so important. Because we never rise above the level of our closest friends. Now, here's a principle. I don't always like it because it says something about me and I need to look at myself. But typically, you attract what you are. And so, when I talk about friendship, well, let's put it this way. You've heard this before, probably. You can't soar with eagles when you run with turkeys. And here's the truth. I kind of play off this. Here's the truth. You need more egos in your life than turkeys. Now, the lights are bright, but I can see some of you are already smiling. You're thinking about this person's an ego. That person might be a turkey. Don't, don't, don't mention any names out loud. If you're sitting next to someone like that, please don't elbow them. Now, Here's what the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. Don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good manners. Now here's, when we talk about friendship, here's the truth. I'll tell you my story. When I got into a relationship with God and began to pursue His purpose for my life, it changed a lot of things. But one of the things that it changed most practically is it changed some of my friendships. Some of the friends that I used to have 
we didn't have as much in common anymore. We didn't have the same kind of connectivity. And some people that I didn't have a close relationship with, I began to be drawn to them and develop that relationship. And so the truth is, it's very important the people that we have closest to us around in our life. Your best friend should be someone who brings out the best in you. Your best friend should be someone who wants the best in you. So how do you, how do, you do that? How do you, how do you bring out the best in people? Let's take the word best, B-E-S-T. B, you believe in them. People who, that you're, are your friends, you believe in them. When others may not believe in them, you believe in them. And you tell them that, I believe in you. Here's the second thing. B, believe. E, you encourage them. Friends are encouragers. True friends encourage you. That's a mark and a characteristic of someone who's your friend. They believe in you and they encourage you in every part of your life and every part of who you are. But here's S. They support you. Now that support may take on different roles and look different ways at different times, but you can, you can count on them. This friend, this, this friend who, who supports you, you can count on them. And then here's T. You trust them. That's a great value for me. The value of trusting someone is more important to me than money. Trust. And your best friends should be people who believe, encourage, support, and you trust. Real friends want the best in you. Ben and I have had the opportunity to spend some time together since I've been in town and in our dialogue and talking. Uh, one thing I've said quite often is almost anybody will weep with you in sorrow. But only a true friend will rejoice with you in blessing. Do you know one of the things that just really makes my day as much as anything I know? Is when someone like my Pastor Ben, who's my friend, calls and shares something great that's happened. You know, he's, I, I'm, I have such the kind of relationship with him that when it's, it happens good to him... I'm able to rejoice like it happens good for me. No jealousy, no envy, no competition, no, why didn't that happen to me? Shucks, that should have been me. That's not fair. I deserve it. Let me tell you a story. Real quick. When I was pastoring several years ago, uh, they had in my church what they call a, a pastor appreciation day. It's a day they set aside in the life of the congregation to express appreciation for me as their pastor and leader. Okay. Not every church does that, but this church did. And so this particular church, they, uh, uh, they were giving me that day a brand new car. And Ben didn't, want me to, didn't tell me to tell this story. There's no hidden agenda here. But I, uh, giving new cars away has been a mark of my ministry. The first sermon I ever preached was on this kind of pastor appreciation day. And they were giving their pastor a new car that day. And they didn't really care what I had to say. They wanted to see him get the car. But it was my beginning. So I'm in this, I'm in this having this day for me at the church. And this, they present me a car. And so after service, 
they had a they had a friend of mine. All right. Notice I said they had a friend of mine come speak for me today that day. We get into the car after the service. We're by ourselves. My wife's in her car because I'm in my new car. And my friend's with me. I'm in the driver's seat. He's in the passenger's seat. And he shuts the doors. And almost immediately he says, he said, I want to ask you a question. How come you got a new car for Pastor Appreciation Day? He said, didn't give me a chance to answer. He says this. He says, I'm a better preacher than you. I'm a better pastor than you. And I want to know. And he was really kind of upset about it. Now, this is my friend. So I thought, you know, we're friends. If he's going to ask me that kind of question, I'll give him an appropriate response. I said, here's why. Because I model generosity to my congregation, and you're tight. And then I told him a story to illustrate the tightness. I don't have the time to tell this morning. When I got through telling the story, it was about a specific instance that we had shared together. He could not deny it because we were both there, and I remembered it in vivid detail. I said, that one story illustrates the whole issue here. It has nothing to do with me being a better preacher, a better pastor. None of those things. It has to do is I model before my congregation generosity, and so when they want to show appreciation to me, they model it back to me what I have modeled to them. So if you want a car, I suggest you spend the next year being more generous. I said, now let's go eat. (laughs) But I thought about that story since then. And this guy is my friend. But I'm talking about I believe that you can have the kind of relationships, and you need those kind of relationships. And if your friend gets a car, or they get a promotion, or they get an increase, or some kind of blessing or good thing in their life, the relationship is of such value that you rejoice just like if it had been something that had happened to you. And here's what I tell you. God will bring those kinds of people into your life if you will intentionally recognize the need and understand the value and to pursue those for yourself. Now, the other side of that is this. There might be some relationships that you need to discontinue or back off from. There might be some relationships, as we talk about friends bring the best out of you, believe in you, encourage you, support you, and they trust you, that you begin to think, you know, I'm not sure this person who I thought was my friend, kind of fits the mold here. And I'm not saying just cut them out of your life. But I am saying you need the right kind of friends who will bring out the best in you. Now, these four relationships are very simple. Some of them happen naturally. Some of them you have to build intentionally. But I want to challenge you this morning. Begin to evaluate the relationships you have And say, do I have some models in my life who, by the way they live and what they do and what they've accomplished, they inspire me that I can do it also? Who are the mentors in my life that speak into my life and who help me to become all I can be? Who are the people that I'm a mentor to, that I invest my life in them? I'm I'm adding value to them. I need some partners in my life. I, I can't do what God's called me to do by myself. Maybe you need to think of 
about those relationships. Friends, here's what I ask you to do this morning as I pray. I want you to begin to take a personal inventory. It's private. You don't have to do anything, but just privately begin to consider, who are these people in my life? These four, do I have these four relationships? And if I don't, help me to begin to identify who these people can be. And if I don't have these people in my life, begin to ask God to bring them into my life. God, I need these four relationships. They're all biblical in, in their pattern. They're all based upon biblical principles. And they help me to accomplish God's purpose. They help me to reach my potential. They help me to be the person that I, that I not only need to be, but the person I want to be. So I want to ask you to bow your heads with me. I want to pray with you right now about these relationships in your life. Father God, we're in this series about closer. One of the ways we get closer to you is by the relationships we have with each other. And I talked about four relationships that we need in our life. And I pray right now that the Holy Spirit would just help us begin to consider. Lord, who are the models that inspire us? Lord, if, if there's folks here who, who don't have those relationships, begin to help them to look for them. Begin to help them to prayerfully develop them. Bring those people in their life. Not just models, but mentors also. God, there are some men and women, young people here that you have put great things inside them and you want to use someone to help bring that out. As we begin to think about these relationships of mentors, God, help us to identify who they are. Help us to identify who we can be a mentor to. And Lord, if there's not in our life, help us to begin to intentionally look for those individuals and pray those individuals into our life. Lord, bring partners, people around us that that just want to help us to be all we can be and do what you have called us to do. And God, help us in this sense of partnership, relationship, begin to understand the value of each other and how important we all are and together what we can accomplish. Lord, I pray about this area of friendship specifically this morning. We need the right kind of friends in our life. Friends who bring out the best in us. Friends who believe in us, who encourage us who support us, who we trust. And Lord, if, there, if we don't have those kind of quality of relationships, friendships, bring those people in our life. We know that we need them. And we thank you that you work through people to accomplish your purpose in this world and in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before you uh, go down, I want to ask you a few questions about, about your message. And uh, then we're going to take some steps together as a congregation. So, um, first question, did you really get a car? <laughs> I'm happy for you. I'm your friend. I'm thrilled. What kind was it? <laughs> it was a brand, I must, he asked me, all right? It was, I got to pick it out. Wow. Yeah. The congregation didn't know that, but the leadership knew that. So before the Sunday service... I got to go to the dealership of my choice and pick out whatever car I wanted. Wow. And hey, it was a new car. True. Now, now, you're not pastoring now, but you lead pastors, right? right? And so you have uh, five, 600 people under your charge to some right. degree. So you have an opportunity to invest in lots of folks. So here's a question. Sometimes in relationships, you, you hit a, a roadblock, uh, a bumpy spot. And in your role as a leader, you have to do some correction. 
I, you did this for me a lot. I got corrected a lot, ain't gonna lie. Um, give me some principles. If somebody is maybe in the role of a model or a mentor, um, how do you speak admonishment? You know, not correction, but I, what, what, what would you say about that? All right. I guess the way I'd communicate that is I, the, my ability to speak into people's lives in a, in a significant way is based upon their belief in my valuing them. Okay. Okay. When I go to a new office, I'm in my fifth office now in this role of pastoring pastors. There's two things I tell my staff and, uh, that work directly with me. In our denomination, at some point I'll transition. I want you to say about me, he was a Christian and he added value to my life. Mm. So a, a, a core value for me personally as a leader is I want to make an investment into other people's life. When they really know that I want the very best for them, then whatever I say, even in correction, is from that uh, filter. He's speaking this because he really believes in me and wants the best for me. While I may not like it, I believe his motivation is what's good for me. Yeah. Well, that, that heart for other people is kind of implicit in all of these relationships you're talking about. Uh, we have a lot of folks here in this room who have had friends, but they didn't have, maybe had a lot of the kind of friends you were describing, ones that are good for us, the ones that spur us on to what God wants for us. So if there's somebody in the room today and they're thinking, all right, I don't really have those kind of spiritual friends, what's one or two things they could begin to do beyond praying uh, about that? You know, uh, the, the word for me, uh, what I used in the talk here was intentional. Okay. Okay. My personality is such, if, if I see someone who has the qualities in their life that, that, that I want to be in a relationship with, I don't have a problem uh, initiating that contact. Now, you don't want to overwhelm someone because relationships have to develop over a period of time. But for me, one of the simple ways is, is I pray about it and I have qualities that I look for in people. That I, that I want to be in a relationship with. And there's some qualities that, that, that people have that I, I'm going to not have a quite a, as close relationship with them. So I look for qualities, and then sometimes I just initiate. Yeah. You know, there's a tendency, I think, we have to wait for people to be friendly to us, right? Yeah. But then there's that ad, uh, proverb that says, he who would have friends must show himself friendly, right? right. So th that's a big deal. Now, you, you get to deal with a lot of leaders. So here's my last question for you. What do you look for in a potential leader? I mean, all the years I've known you, 25, whatever years that is, you have raised up leaders all over the country. Um, what do you look for? So in a young or a, somebody who hasn't stepped out yet into leadership, what, what, what are the qualities you're going after? All right. I'll do it. My mind thinks in simple terms. So let's do ABC. Okay. Attitude. You know, uh, leaders have a certain kind of attitude that other people don't have. Okay. Uh, B would be behavior. I watch how they behave, not just in public, but in private. And that behavior primarily is, is not just in competency or skill, because sometimes you can be very skilled, but you don't have the kind of character that matches the gifting. Okay. Okay. So when I talk about behavior, I'm talking about uh, how they conduct themselves publicly and then how they can conduct themselves when nobody, they're not aware that somebody's looking. Really, how they treat other people when I talk about behavior. That's huge for me because you really want to know about somebody. You know, they get paid to do a certain job, but when they're not in that performance area, they're just living their life. I kind of observe how they look, watch, and interact with other people. Yeah. Uh, attitude, behavior, and then C is conversation. You know, the Bible says, out of the bundles of the heart, we speak. So I can tell a few minutes in spending time with people a lot about them just by listening to them talk. I can do that, and they don't even know I'm doing it. So 
Attitude, behavior, primarily interacting with other people, and C, conversation. Listen to how they talk. When those three things line up, and then you've got a guy who's got, who's got a skill or a girl who's got a skill level along with that, I know, man, there's some potential there. And all you have to do then is come alongside and call it out. Yeah. And here's what happens. The more investment I make, the greater influence I have into their life. Mm. My influence in their life is directly proportional to the investment I'm willing to make in their life. Yeah, I think that's a principle not just in the kingdom of God, but in parenting. I mean, you know, we move from controlling our kids when they're little to wanting influence as they get older all the way through their lives. And that investment that's made. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're immature, it's hard sometimes to see that. I remember working for you. I didn't always see it. Um, but as you get older, you begin to appreciate that investment that people have made. And here we are in front of you know, a bunch of my friends. Thank you for your investment in me. They don't know it, but literally almost everything I do passes through the filter of our time together. It's a big deal the way you prayed for me, invested in me, corrected me, and uh, believed in me. And um, I just really appreciate it. Would you guys say thank you to my friend for his investment? Yeah. Would you grab out your Connect card? We'll take a couple steps together as a congregation. We're a church, and every single Sunday, we don't want to miss an opportunity to give you a chance to begin a relationship with Jesus. If you don't yet have him as your Lord and Savior in your life, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. On your Connect card, Next Step A says, Today I'm making Jesus my Savior and Lord. What this means is is that you acknowledge what the Bible says about you, that you're a sinner and you need a Savior, and that Jesus is that Savior. We'd ask you to take that pen you were provided and check Next Step A right there on your Connect card. And in a few moments, I'm going to pray and give you a chance to use your words or borrow mine, bow your head, open your heart to God and say, God, I want you to be the leader of my life. The biblical word for that is the Lord. God, I want you to forgive my sin. The biblical word for that is I want you to be my Savior. And then we'd ask you to take your card and put it in the offering bucket at the end of the service when it goes by. Now, next step B is connected to that. It says, uh, today I'm choosing to be baptized. I'm going to get baptized. So if you check that box, put the card in the offering bucket, somebody will contact you, answer your questions about it, get you signed up for our next baptism. It's a big party around here when that happens as we celebrate, celebrate people kind of dying to themselves and being raised to new life with Jesus. And the next step C is something we've been doing around here for a while. I'll engage the 4C Closer Bible Reading Plan. Send me the version link. So if you check this box, put the card in the offering bucket, we'll send you a link on Monday to the Bible reading plan related to the things we've been talking about. And it's a way to engage God's Word on your iPhone or right there in the old leather-bound version and uh, engage His Word to help you move forward and closer to Him this summer. And the next step, D, is similar to that. We've been reading a book called Spirituality for the Rest of Us. And you can pick up a copy of that in the lobby. We don't make any money. It's just a tool. I'm going on vacation in a couple weeks. I'm taking that book. I'll read it cover to cover. And you can read that with the staff and the leadership team of this church as a way of using the summer to grow closer to God. And the next step, E, is this. I wonder if anybody in the room will join me in this prayer. God, give me the wisdom to rightly evaluate my relationships I have in my life and the boldness to make the changes I need to make. I made a few notes for me. Um, I like being coached, and I'm kind of in a, a, a slow season of that. So I, I made a note to myself, Ben, find some more coaches that can spur you on, some mentors in your life that can spur you on where you need to go. What do you need to do? Let's pray one more time, a quick prayer about these things, and then Pastor Will is going to come up and lead us in worship, and we're going to take communion together, all right? Father, thank you so much for your grace and mercy at work in our lives. Thank you for the uh, very practical word we heard about the purpose 
and the plan you have in relationships for our lives. God, give us the courage to be bold in our evaluation of where we are and make right and wise decisions about relationships. God, I want to lift up those people right now that are declaring, Jesus, be my Savior. Wash away my sin. I give you my life. Lead it, Lord. You be in charge. I'll take second seat. I want to pray for those people in this room that are feeling a little lonely and a conversation about relationships makes that obvious to them. God, give them the boldness to pursue in friendly ways the kinds of relationships they need in their lives. And God, make this to be the kind of church where the right relationships happen, the relationships that further your purpose in the lives of your people. And God, as we celebrate communion today as a family, help us to remember your shed blood that washes away all of our sin, your broken body that brings us wholeness. We pray this in the name of Jesus, the strong and holy Son of God. Amen and amen.